Welcome to the 7 a.m. Marathon meeting. My name is Amy. I'm a compulsive reader and your speaker for this meeting. Hi, Hi Amy. Amy. Hi. Uh, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, God, grant, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. The session is being recorded. All participants are required to sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinion expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of the session. If there is any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking pictures using a video camera or using our full names. The format for this session is as follows. I will share for 25 minutes followed by questions and answers for five minutes followed by an open sharing. An Ask It Basket will be passed around. Please place your question in the basket for the speaker. The topic for this session is getting honest, and my name is Amy, I'm your speaker. small group for an early meeting. Um, I'm Amy. I'm a compulsive reader and a food addict. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. And uh, went down to register, but they closed, so forgive my non-name tag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <sighs> getting honest. Um, I think I always knew I had a problem with food. That was kind of my first experience of myself, I think. Um, my mom was real thin, and um, she, I think, was concerned that I was always that I was heavy because her sister, my aunt, uh, was overweight and had always struggled with food. And my guess is that my mom, out of concern, kind of hounded me about what I ate. But as a kid, I didn't know any better, and I just felt picked on, and I felt like I wasn't good enough, and all that kind of stuff. And um, it just really became my own disease, you know, like the voices, her voice in my head kind of became my own voice in my head about, well, you're too fat, you shouldn't eat that, you didn't do it right, because I, I just never learned how to do food. Um, when I was about five, I remember my mom taking me to the grocery store and saying, you can eat whatever you want as long as it's on your diet. So I was on diets really young. Um, I remember being, being in grocery stores and my mom would buy me any of those little books, you know, that they used to have in the 70s. I was born in the 60s, so those ones, the banana and skim milk diet, that was one of my favorite, and the, my little cauliflower diet and cabbage soup diet, all that stuff. Um, 
And so I just, I think instantly, I just always felt like I wasn't doing it right because I wasn't small, like my, like my mom. My sister was also pretty small built, but she also had a food problem. So um, I think we all just kind of lived our separate shame around that. Um, you know, my family was alcoholic, so there were other issues, but um, it just kind of continued on through my whole life. Um, so, um, good morning. Um, so, um, you know, I can look at my pictures in school and see that one year I was smaller than the next year I was bigger, and one year I was smaller, even up through grade school. Um, and when I got into junior high, you know, I think I was so frozen out of my body because of because of the food issue and some other stuff that happened in my life growing up that um, I just ate more and more and more and then I'd go on some weird diet to try to get it off. And, um, you know, that went on the yo-yoing for a long time. Um, and in junior high, it was kind of worse with all the peer pressure stuff, you know, and you're supposed to look like this and all the pretty cheerleaders and all this kind of crap. And, um, bless their hearts, you know, I never could quite fit into that mold either. Um, so, um, you know, long story short, um, through college I did the same thing, except I also started drinking because I was a great form of sugar. I, my main thing was sugar, so, you know, alcohol being instant adult sugar, it was fun. And uh, I developed a problem with that. I got sober in 2002, so I'm grateful to have 12 years in that program. Um, but I, um, by about 2000, um, I had reached my top weight of, uh, it was 223, and I'm 5'6", and right now I weigh about 155, so I'm blessed with a 70-pound release um, because of this program. I mean, because like I was starting to say, by the time 2000 came around, I'd given up thinking I'd ever be able to lose any weight and keep it off. Um, and um, I had a lot of self-hatred around food and um, just just really had, had just, I guess it's the beginning of that powerless feeling, knowing I couldn't do anything about it. And um, so I just quit trying and I said, I just kind of decided I was going to be having my whole life. And um, so that's what I resigned myself to. And then I got into... Al-Anon in 86, but I got into AA in 2002, and I came to OA because a guy in my AA meeting had dropped over 100 pounds, and I just watched him transform, you know, from, from being real heavy to being um, funny, being, um, you know, right-sized and healthy, and he was glowing. I don't know about you, but when I tried to lose weight, I didn't glow. I was like, <laughs> just don't talk to me. You know, I've, I've lost an ounce and I'm going to keep it off. You know, it was all very forced and white-knuckled and all that kind of stuff. And um, he was happy. So I, I finally got the nerve up to ask him and he told me about OA and he gave me a list of the meetings he went to that he liked. And um, he's since moved out of the area and I've lost touch with him, but I would love to just be able to contact him and tell him how much he helped me. Um, so anyway, I started on my journey with food, and um, you know, when the first meeting I went to, the woman who was sharing talked about it taking her eight years to get abstinent, 
And, you know, I was so grateful to hear that because I thought, oh, here it is again. I got to go in and do it right and drop this weight. You know, if I don't, if I don't straighten up and fly right, they're going <coughs> to kick me out or they're going to think I'm a failure, just like I know I really am, you know. I was afraid when I came in the rooms, people were going to criticize me like I've been criticized about food. And, um, you know, it just really uh, was hard for me. Uh, I was really scared. And, um, but I was fortunate because I had been in another 12-step program and I, I knew it worked. Um, so I wasn't totally terrified. <laughs> just, you know, just pretty terrified. Um, so anyway, um, what I had decided to start with was just finding a, a baseline abstinence that I could achieve. And, and that's been really important for me. Um, you know, sometimes people come in and have a real high goal set. Um, and for me, that was like dieting because I kept failing at it. You know, if I'd have come in expecting to, you know, eat 300 calories a day or, you know, have surgery or do the no flour, no sugar or whatever with some agenda about my recovery, I know that I wouldn't have gotten settled at a, at a healthier weight um, because that that baby steps thing was was what really brought me about and. I knew from all my dieting that I had a sugar problem and that's where I could start. So I decided, you know, I also learned about a difference between abstinence and a food plan, you know, so I could pick a bottom line abstinence of I'm not going to eat desserts. Um, and then the food plan was um, trying, you know, trying to eat healthy meals and not eat desserts. And, you know, I had a little caveat in there that breakfast floury foods were not dessert, so I could eat them. You know, so I just started where I was at. And, um, you know, that's really all I could do. And so to be able to achieve that, I felt like, wow, there's really hope. You know, if I, there's really hope because I could achieve a little step, and it gave me courage to keep trying and to get better, to try to, you know, work with a sponsor to keep changing that abstinence. And I was blessed with a sponsor who didn't have an agenda for me. She just supported me in doing what felt right to me, um, you know, not that if I didn't ask her for suggestions, you know, she would have given them to me, but it was like, I was so terrified of the criticism, you know, for thinking, oh, well, you didn't, you're not really doing it right, and you're this, and you're that, and she never thought that at all, that was just my crap, you know, in my head. <coughs> so, um, anyway, so I went along in OA for, uh, till 2009, I'd lost about 30 pounds, and um, I was still binging. You know, my, my binges changed from being, you know, less healthy stuff like, you know, crunchy, salty things and uh, breakfast floury things that weren't desserts in my head and <laughs> stuff like that, you know. And then, so the next bottom line thing I tried to do was to limit my portions, and I thought maybe that would do it. But I was still binging and um, could find myself binging on health food things, right? Because that had all kinds of sugar in it, which I didn't really know at the time. And um, so the bottom line was I wasn't free of it, you know. It changed form by a different food plan, but it was still a binge and still a binge. And um, I felt like, you know, after five years, I, I tried to do whatever I could to... Um, to um, you know, get the rest of the weight off, and um, I'm gonna pass this task to if anybody wants to write anything down since there's more of us. Um, and the pens with the, the sign sheet, the release form. Um, 
So anyway, what what finally sunk in, you know, I heard of different people having all different kinds of food plans, and the one thing I hadn't tried was letting go of white flour and sh white sugar or sugar. And I was so resistant, and I'd heard people doing that, and I swore that I was never going to do that. And, uh, you know, my recommendation to people is don't do it unless you have to, you know. That's probably not good to say, but that was my experience, because, again, if I started off with that, I know I never would have made it. Um, so, um, anyway, I... Um, shouldn't sign this release thing, if you would, because they're recording the meeting. Um, and so, um, oh, so I tried the white flour and white sugar thing, and that was September 23rd, 2009, um, and I was sick as a dog. I went through withdrawal. It lasted a week, and I thought I was going to die. It was horrible. And I thought, well, what is happening, you know? I couldn't really believe how bad it was, and, um, you know, I knew, it, it, just as an analogy, you know, when people people in AA that I had met, I had had kind of a high bottom because I was a binger, um, but they'd come in and they're, like, dying if they have that drink, you know, and that's how I felt with food. Like, my soul was being ripped out of me because I wasn't eating this stuff because it was just so much what I was used to doing to survive, and... Um, you know, I didn't think I could make it through the withdrawal, and I called someone in the program, and she said, well, maybe this isn't right for you, which was a perfect answer. And um, so I thought, no, I've gone through four days, so I am not going <laughs> to, I'm not going back on this sucker. Um, so um, fortunately, I made it through that. And for me, it was the first time in my life that I felt like I had a choice about eating a, a binge food or not. And, you know, and I... It's just for me. Um, the It's like I had a few seconds to pause before I went to that sugary, flowery, whatever stuff that was unhealthy for me. And um, my head still said, go eat it, go eat it, go do it, you know. And uh, But I had that just a second pause in there. And, and I felt free, you know. I felt like there was some freedom there for me um, without that, that binge that I couldn't not do. And um, so that was really the beginning of my freedom. And since then, I've had some slips. Um, I had some medical issues, and my doctor told me I needed to eat more, so that took me off the weighing and measuring stuff. Um, and then I gained 20 pounds back. But I, I've since gone back on that. And one time I wasn't measuring my food, but I was eating, you know, according to the rest of my food plan. And, um, you know, my sponsor at the time said, if you're doing this, you're doing this. If you're not doing this, you're not doing this. And I'm like, mm. So I think it was July 9th of last year that I started over again um, and weighing and measuring my food and uh, not eating the white flour and white sugar. And today what my bottom line abstinence is, is no white flour, no sugar. Because if I add the measuring in there, you know, I'm somebody that struggles to um, take my scale out to a restaurant. I tried that and I got really embarrassed. And that's just, that's me, you know, I, I so respect people that do that, and I, I've done it, and I can do it, I just don't like to do it. Um, so I'd rather take the control and eyeball it and whatever, you know, and so if I do that, then that ruins my, if that's in my abstinence, that would mean starting over again. So I allow myself that flexibility um, to do that, and sometimes I'm not perfect, well, lots of times I'm not perfect with food. 
but I'm just so grateful for the, the pause between binging on the sugary stuff and the flowery stuff and um, being able to make a choice and ask my higher power for help. Um, and, you know, I say all this, the topic's getting honest. Um, I just, I think for me, the beginning of being honest about food was telling someone, you know, was having a sponsor and taking the risk to email my food to them. And that was so humiliating, I thought. You know, and when I think about it now, it's like, that was the way I was first honest with myself. It wasn't even so much that it was important to tell you or my sponsor or somebody at the meeting. It was just that it made me look at it, you know? And that was the scary part, you know? Because, I mean, I'm sure if you guys have had people report their food to you or, you know, talk to a friend about it, it's, I don't know, I don't seem to trip on what somebody else's food is, you know? But it's just the process of being that honest on that level. And I never, I never let anyone see what my food was, you know? I still hide it. I mean, you know, back, back before OA, I hid my food from my fam, my mother, and I would sneak food and then, you know, go eat dinner like it was normal and then go sneak some more food and eat it out of sight, you know? Um, so that honesty for me has come in, in different things of reporting my food and having a sponsor and being honest about what my abstinence is and having it be achievable. Um, because I could not do the top, you know, somebody else's abstinence or what I thought was the best kind of abstinence to have. So I'm a firm believer in, in harm reduction and taking baby steps, especially in this disease, because, you know, all or nothing never worked for me or I'd be doing the diet still, you know. So the last thing I want to say is just... Um, I have had some medical problems as a result of my food issues. I, I have uh, something wrong with my pancreas where I don't, I don't have enough enzymes to digest my food. Um, I also have um, a kind of anemia from, I don't know if it's from that or just a genetic thing or whatever, but, but it's been very humbling to have to admit how that yo-yoing and, and the starving and stuff I did, uh, you know, now I'm 53 and it's like, yeah, it's with me, you know, and I have places where, I, you know, I have skin hanging on my body and it's like, yeah, I have to own that and that's part of my honesty and part of my battle of scars, you know, of, of coming to terms a day at a time with this disease and uh, it's, it's hard sometimes, but um, just being around other fellow sufferers, you know, is so healing, uh, as long as I'm willing to put out exactly where I'm at. And, and that's what saved me, you know, I, I've been lucky. I was a kid that could never lie to my mom, you know, when <laughs> I was like, it was all across my face, you know, either lying, or, you know, I had this conscience from hell, at least, you know. And um, now it's really been, served me well to be able to push me to just say the hard thing and be vulnerable. I heard somebody say once that the best kind of courage is vulnerability. Or the only real courage is, um, is vulnerability. And, and that's what's helped me grow. You know, not the times I dig in my heels and say, no, I'm not doing this abstinence, or no, I'm not giving up that. So, so that's where I'm at. Um, and then, you know, our, our steps say to, um, let's see the format, uh, it's under one of the sign sheets, I guess. Um, you know, the 12 step says, thank you, 12 step says to practice these principles in all our affairs and uh, for me, that honesty is, is a tough one, and um, 
I just broke up with a guy I was dating, and um, it was really hard to be honest. You know, there was like a month when I wasn't happy, and I couldn't muster up the strength to be truthful because um, I was I was terrified. You know, and I really care about him and love him, but to stay in that for me, I'm learning was not honest. Um, even though I told him, you know, I was having this problem with you know our relationship or you know, this is a struggle for me or whatever, but, you know, the longer I tried to force a solution or make something be a certain way, I just felt like I wasn't being honest. And um, so this program oozes into the areas of my life, and I'm really glad, you know, I'm learning how to do that. Because um, there's some freedom in that for me, definitely. So that's all I got. I mean, I'm a food addict and a compulsive over. Okay, so I'll now drop questions from the Ask It Basket for up to five minutes. Um, and um, I think this is just kind of a discussion thing. So if anybody, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it would be great to have everybody respond to them that wants to because, you know, I'm just one of the beggars trying to find breath. I think we're all on the same, the same turf level. So. What was your top weight? My top weight was 223. Um, I'm at 165 right now, so I had to send her about 70 pounds. I'm a little bit high. I'm, my goal weight is 150 to 155, and I'm somewhere between 155 and 160 on a regular basis. So, so I'm a little over that, um, if I'm honest about it. But um, So I, I did leave that part out. The, um, the last 40 pounds I lost was after I gave up the flour and sugar. And, and that was when I got some peace in my body. So, anybody else want to respond to anything? Uh, I don't like getting honest uh, with a sponsor about my food. Any suggestions to help me? Anybody? Try to try to speak up a little bit because I'm recording. Um, well, I was going to say, if you're not honest, you're only hurting yourself. And I don't think anybody in these rooms could say anything to any of us that we haven't heard or experienced ourselves. Um, I'm, I, um, I've been abstinent for a long time. I've been in OA for 41 years. Um, and I know that the first night I called my sponsor, I was very humiliated. And the first thing I said to her was, I feel like a child reporting my food to my mom. She goes, that's okay, I felt the same way. So that just kind of like took away all of my apprehension. And, you know, she said, tell me the truth, because if, if you don't, you're just hurt. you're really hurting yourself. And you know, I'm going to find out anyway because it's going to show up in your behavior or, you know, pretty soon you're going to be binging and, you know, so just, you know, own it and be honest with it. There's, you know, we don't really have any secrets in here. So that's kind of my take on that. <laughs> Cynthia, compulsive overeater. I think you brought out an important point about honesty, especially when it comes to your food. 
and the way that it links to the rest of your life is that it's a spiritual process that you're on. We don't wake up perfect in any area. And I think that, you know, making it doable for you is really an important point and being honest about that, you know, and standing up with that feeling that, you know, of shame that you feel when you're not doing it exactly perfect because that needs to be perfect as a part of the disease. You know, um, it's progress, not perfection, but you learn to be honest, you know. I have been a big liar all this time, especially when it comes to food. I used to enjoy getting up in the middle of the night and having my all-night grazing binges. And you notice I say the word grazing because I thought if I was eating slow and if I was eating fruits and vegetables, everything was fine. It wasn't. That was a lie that I told myself, and it was part of the sickness of this disease. So getting honest about that and getting honest about how often I eat and talking to someone else about it has been something that I've slowly been able to do. So I've been in the program this time for, what, six months, and I've released 66 pounds, I think. But the focus isn't on the pounds, it's on being honest and working the spiritual program and letting God take care of the rest. And if I feel shamed by something that I have to tell to one of God's people, I just deal with that. You know, the point is, I need to be honest. And, you know, I started out saying, okay, I'm going to be honest to God. I'm going to commit my food to God. Well, you know what? <laughs> That's good. But it wasn't the only thing I needed to do. I needed to open my mouth and own what my abstinence was and not declare that it had to be the same thing as everybody else's in the room, that this is the best I can do today, and I'm working hard as I can. And that's where honesty comes in, too, because I know when I'm working as hard as I can and when I'm slothing off and trying to get a pinch of this and a pinch of that. And someone told me once, it's not that extra green bean that you have. That's not why we weigh and measure. It's the motive behind it. And that was when I was able to pull out those cups and spoons and get the measuring because I realized it's not about me or how good I am or how perfect I am. It's about being honest and what's going on underneath that behavior. Thank you. I'm Amy Compulsive Reader and a food addict. I just had one thought, a couple of thoughts on, on the sponsorship issue and food. Um, for me, the first thing I thought of is, you know, I have to be sure that my sponsor is someone I'm not afraid of, you know, someone that, that I have heard be vulnerable, so I feel like I have permission to be that way. That's the only way I'd ever get close to being able to, you know, I ever got close to telling anybody about my food. And, and you know, they say that we're as sick as our secrets, you know. Um, anything I don't, I'm not willing to tell, all I know to do is to pray to be willing. Uh, there's a place in the uh, 12 by 12, I think it's in step 3, that says if we um, ask for willingness, our higher power will match our willingness with availability. You know, that we are given the ability when we're willing. Um, and there was one more thing. Oh, the other thing is, you know, if I, if I learn to report my food, then I'll be that that sensitive person, that caring, vulnerable person who could hear someone else's food and not be critical, you know, because I've had that experience of having to be that vulnerable. And, um, you know, to 
to, to be there for each other. You know, if I learn a skill in this program, then I can share with someone else who's still, you know, maybe that I sponsor or that is still suffering. So. Could you repeat that one that you said about when you asked your higher power for willingness and something? Oh, okay. What was yeah. that? <laughs> um, basically, that um, if we ask God for willingness, or our higher power for willingness, it, it, our higher power will match our willingness with ability. You know, that it's not our strength that accomplishes it. It's, uh, it's part of the gift. Uh, so I'll see if I can find this in the book while we're sharing. Um, but anybody else want to respond to the Ask It Basket questions? Or, yeah. Hi, I'm Samantha. I'm a food addict. Hi, Samantha. Um, and I've been programmed for almost six months now, too. And um, something that I see and hear and connect with is that all the lying and embarrassment is all from shame. It's all from work. And any addiction has it. We're all so ashamed of what we've done. And, and the way that we feel about ourselves, I think, is really what it is. And so I know that when I started talking to my sponsor, in my people-pleasing way, I like wanted to make everything perfect. You know, once again, the disease. And, um, you know, luckily, I was very lucky that she just cut through all of it. She was like, I, I know this, just let's save all of us some time. And just be honest. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, but uh, I really think that if we can all just realize, and it's hard to do because you really got to think about it, that the person who you're talking to um, has been in the exact same spot as you, at least once, probably more than once, um, then it kind of releases some tension. The judgment isn't there. I mean, I never feel judged in any room. Um, and that's why I go to meetings. It really is. And so I think that if, if you do find yourself not feeling comfortable sharing with your sponsor, then maybe it might be something to evaluate, maybe looking for a different sponsor or someone who you feel more comfortable with. Because um, I know I just found like the first one I could, you know? Um, and I was very lucky. But anyone else, you know, take your time. Look for someone that you feel comfortable with. Because um, they're going to be with you on a journey for a long time. And you do build friendships for the rest of your life through this program. So. <laughs> Go ahead and open the meeting after sharing. Um, just real quickly, I did find the reference that, to that. It's on page uh, 23 in the 12 by 12. It says, um, Many of us have tried for years to find the perfect way of eating and stick to it. In order to continue being abstinent, we will have to have a power greater than ourselves operating daily in our lives. This is always available to us as long as we continue working the 12 steps and living out the decision to trust God's guidance in everything we do. As we become aware of what our eating guidelines should be, we ask God for the willingness and the ability to live within them each day. We ask and we receive first the willingness and then the ability. We can count on this without fail. As we continue abstaining, we find we can depend upon God to eliminate our yearning for the kind of eating that harms us. Thanks for sharing that. That's great. So the meeting's open for sharing. Topics, getting honest. My name's Helena, a reader. <coughs> Hi, Celia. And um, I heard things that I needed to hear because I've been I have four years in the program, three years of abstinence, and um, I have uh, two sponsors, and I felt like, okay, I 
I already lost 120 pounds. I'm a pro. I don't need to report my food anymore. But in my, I didn't, you know, until now I realized that it was a shame to report my food because it wasn't just lettuce and tuna or just something perfect healthy and probably I was, well, not probably, I was eating, like breakfast yesterday, I ate like an extra serving of potatoes, extra protein, and I was like, okay, as long as I've seen it, I'm not eating sugar, it's okay. And I was comparing myself to other food plants, other members of OA that were eating with me, and I was feeling ashamed at the same time. Hey, they don't have to judge me because, you know, I have already lost 100 pounds, I'm a pro, and <laughs> And now it's it's just I was I was ashamed to report my food to my sponsor. She's been in the program for a long time. She's has a lot of recovery. She hasn't told me anything. Um, we work in two programs at the same time, and that helps me because she understands me and you know, two obsessions that I have food and something else. But um, I'm gonna start reporting my food. I want to just let go of the shame. maintaining a 50-pound weight loss, and um, came to this one this morning because honesty is starting to become a problem, and um, need to figure out why, and I, I, I loved your words, I wrote them down, can I muster up the strength to be truthful? And you know, the whole thing about being an addict is the kind of the thing we get off on of being a liar. I'm getting away with it. Nobody knows, and I'm hiding, and um, just taking a look at that this weekend because that's starting to be an issue. And with my sponsor, I don't report my food, and I'm thinking maybe I need to either find a food sponsor that will just do the food or open up that discussion about looking at the food because it's starting to be an issue. So uh, being honest, boy, it really does take strength for me to be honest, especially about my food. Like you said, it's humiliating to have to handle it. Maybe it's when I'm it just feels silly. And if that's what it takes to get to the bottom of all of that, then I guess that's what I need to do. You know, go to any lengths. So thank you for your your share and uh, our paths have been similar. A mom that was strong and teeny tiny and had no food issues and really pushed the scale and diets. And I used to get a dollar a pound. Oh, horrible. Just horrible. So uh, I could really relate to your story. So thank you for letting me share. Steps before even 
a goal of getting to share my food with my sponsor, you know, maybe sharing it with another OA friend that I do feel safer with, um, or, um, you know, again, praying for the willingness. And sometimes it's willing to be willing to be willing to be willing to be willing, you know, and, and I, I, I'm learning a higher power that, that accepts that in me, you know, rather than one that has that voice in my head of how critical um, you know, how critical I learned to be on myself about food and you know there was one time in my life where I promised my higher power that I wouldn't eat again until I was thin I was in junior high and um, I didn't eat for nine days and um, obviously it didn't work you know but I think I don't know for me you know the fact that that I did try those diets and I did try to do all this stuff to try to lose weight I mean, that to me suggests some willingness at least. I think all of us have a good measure of willingness if we're sitting here, you know. That's a huge piece of willingness, I think, because it takes a lot of courage to take on this issue. And um, the more the more I try to work on it myself, I, I get a lot of feedback from people not in the program, like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's not me, you know. Um, but it just starts, you know, with that little seed, I think. And I'm grateful for that. And, and just being able to live in the gray areas, not the black and white, and just in shalom. Sometimes I feel like that. I've been seeing lots of June bugs lately. Those little bugs on their back going, ah, you can't do it. You know, but eventually they roll over and get to the next spot. So. And uh, thank you very much for your share. I really appreciate that. You know, I've been lying to my sponsor for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of shame because I'm really not abstinent at all in any of my programs. I'm a postal reader, sex and love addict, and a you know, spender. And, um, you know, and, and the, the funny thing is, as we sit here, you know, I, I feel shame and I won't call my sponsor for about a week, and that's uh, definitely not recommend that to anybody. Very strong program. He's very disciplined. And I've heard some of his other sponsors share, and he has them call every day, work the steps, report their food, do ten steps. And I've been very fortunate that he hasn't put those demands on me. Uh, he's been really gentle with me for a long period of time now, and, uh, and that's God helping me. And he knows I'm lying, but he still takes my calls. And for some reason, if he doesn't take my calls, I feel like I'm calling my mother for, for approval. And, uh, if he was not to take the calls, it would be devastating to me. You know, last year my mother died, my father died, my best friend died of cancer, my wife left. It was a lot. And I got a job with uh, PG&E working on the phones and people screaming at me all day, and I really don't like it. Sponsor, he tells me to go to work every day and walk through things that I never thought I'd have the ability to walk. But I'm doing a lot of things on the side that I'm not telling. And I'm really glad that, you know, with my spending meetings and stuff. So I'm really glad that I came here this weekend because I feel like I'm getting some, uh, some hope, you know, to try to clean up areas that need to be cleaned up. And I'm just grateful to the meeting because last night I wanted to eat something after I left here and uh, by God's grace I made a change to 
do something that was uh, positive, you know, in terms of the game as opposed to something that would have not been helpful to my abstinence. And I haven't had that willingness for a long time. So I'm really glad, because I live in, I live not too far from here, but I said, you know, I'm going to try to go to any length. Get my recovery back because this is the most important thing in my life. And you know, without this, I'd be dead. I never could have walked through these things in my life. So, I'm grateful to the program because uh, I don't know any place else I could go where I can call somebody every day and get confidence, courage, go to work on them. You know, my therapist said to me, Phil, you're lucky you're right here. You're still walking around. Just came in, there's a confidentiality thing to sign that you're willing to be recorded if you decide to share. And um, also, this is being recorded so people can pick up if you do, if you do decide to share so that they can get it on the recording. My name is Lori. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm Lori. I just need to be honest this morning that I got up last night again in the middle of the night looking for food. Um, went to my ice chest that I brought with me with food in it and opened it up and because I have roommates, I was trying to be as quiet as I could, and I I was in the dark, so I couldn't see anything, so I couldn't find anything in there to eat, so I shut the lid and went back to bed. I'm very grateful for the fact that there weren't any lights on in the room, because had there been, I would have grabbed something. Um, but um, it's things like that that I haven't been um, telling my sponsor, that I've been getting up in the middle of the night and eating. And, um, she knows that I struggle with that issue, but she doesn't know that I've been back in the food for a while now. Um, so one of the things I'm going to do when I get home is to call her and get honest. So thank you for letting me share. Um, and, you know, 
be honest with someone about my food and, you know, take her suggestions and write my food down the night before and call her or in the morning and call her and, you know, and at first it was humiliating and then as I went along, it wasn't humiliating anymore. It was a relief. It was a, I've heard people say that it was, that they felt that they would be restricted by making a plan of eating. But, and I thought that that would be true too, but it really wasn't because once it was on paper, it was like I had a plan. And I, and I didn't have that, that mental thing going on. Oh, should I eat this? Should I eat this? Should I eat that? Oh, don't have that. Eat this? How much? It was just because it was there. And it was, you know, it's kind of like coming to this, coming to this weekend. Once I decided what I was going to wear and what I was going to take, I wasn't stressed anymore. But I was stressed up until then. But once I had a plan, I was okay, you know. And, you know, my higher power, you know, gave me the courage to make that first call that first night. You know, and my higher power's been with me my whole, the whole way, because I, you know, if I could have relieved my compulsion, you know, 39 years ago, I would have. I'd have done it on my own, but I couldn't. I'm a compulsive. When I think about getting on is I think about when I first came to the program and I used to hear people say I'm a grateful recovering compulsive reader and I thought, no, that's insanity. <laughs> what will make you be grateful about this? And finally, coming along in my process, one day I woke up and I realized that when I honestly took a look at it, the answer to my why question, like why have I been struggling with food for 59 years and you know, just able to get abstinent with any trueness, the answer to that is, is because food is the only thing that would bring me to my knees. I could dibble in that and dabble in that and do a little bit of this and walk away from it unscathed. Food, not so much. I've struggled with it probably since I was four or five years old and 
You know, it's just been a problem all my life. That's why I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater because I could be dead in this disease of the fierceness that I had it. And when I get honest about my big why question, the answer is because that's what brought me to my knees before my higher power. It's what makes me be willing to be honest, open-minded, and willing to go to any lengths to cure it. Because I know if I don't deal with this disease, it would deal with me. And that's the, the real honest truth of the why. That's the truth I didn't want to know. But now that I know it, I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. Thank you. Uh, I've been in the program for about a year and a half, almost two years actually, and 